Hello everyone, this is Jim Barton and I'm here with Reverend Abigail Conley and this is another episode of Bloody Mary Bible Brunch. Uh, today we're going to talk about um, testing God or looking for a sign from God and um, we're going to go into different people who ask things of God and sometimes got the answer of yes and sometimes got the answer of no. Um, but first I'm going to start with a story that doesn't have anything to do with, it isn't out of the Bible, but is out of my personal life. Um, a few years ago, uh, my dad had been diagnosed with uh, a form of cancer that was terminal. Um, at one point, when it came back at the very end, um, the doctor said that he had between three weeks and three months to live. So obviously this is a very intense, painful time in our lives. Um, my son, who was a mid-teen at the time, um, was, going, um, was a pretty strong atheist. He didn't believe that there was a God. Uh, but nonetheless... He did say a prayer to God, and he asked that Dad be able to live for three months. Now, I think it's important to note that not only is this uh, young man who's an atheist praying, praying, praying to a God he doesn't believe in, but his request is modest. He didn't ask that God cure Dad. He asked that Dad live um, to the end of the three-month period. Um, and Dad was dead within the week. So... <laughs> It's sort of this intense story where it feels like, you know, here's this, this kid who's at this, in, in this formative time in his life. He says, God, can you do at least the minimum that is reasonable uh, under medicine? And God said, fuck you. <laughs> so that's how that story lands with me. So it's in that context that I come to this question about seeking signs from God. And then also a little bit here is, is about being uh, authority uh, to be angry at God. So, um, Abby, while I sort of like kind of compose myself a little bit, maybe you can um, think about some examples, can talk about some examples of other people who ask God for something, and sometimes they got a yes, and sometimes they got a no. So, I think one of the harder things of Scripture is the reality that um, people who bargain with God typically get some kind of response. Um, and a lot of those kind of Old Testament stories are the unlikely leaders. So you have Gideon who is called as a judge and is like, oh, no, 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 I do not want to do this, but I totally will, God, if I need to. But I'm going to ask you for signs. And he asks for a couple. One of them is, okay, I'm going to put a fleece out. And if it's wet all around the fleece, then I, I know you want me to do this, but the fleece is dry. And so, after God comes through on that one, then he's like, okay, so I want just the fleece to be wet and the ground around it to be dry. And then God comes through on that one. And so, he does this four times, I think, and, and he gets what he wants, so he becomes a judge of Israel. And that tends to be the kind of, like, if you push back, then God, God relents some. Um, Hannah is another example, Samuel's mother, and... So this isn't God, but with a priest and um, this ambassador of God. So she's going to the temple. She's praying. Her mouth is moving. No words are coming out. Silent prayer was not a feature of the ancient world. So the priest comes and is like, hey, you're drunk. Get out of my temple. And she tells him off. And then he basically says, wow, you told me off. Good job. You're going to have the child that you asked for. And so she does. She has Samuel, who becomes... Um, the next in the priestly line. Um, and, and then you have like Moses, who is one of those others, like, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do this. And as God is like, no, pulling him, kicking and screaming, 
he's finally like, I can't talk in front of people. I stutter. I'm slow speech. Like, this doesn't work. So God gives him Aaron as his second command to go talk to Pharaoh. Which was Moses suggested that. Right. Which I think is a sort of a special, like, a special example of God sort of acquiescing. Right. You're going to be the leader of the people. Meh. I don't want to do the talking part. Okay, fine. I guess your brother can do the talking part. <laughs> Um, but there are some people who got no's, mm-hmm. besides James, my son. Uh, most top of the list is Jesus, right? Right. Jesus goes to the garden before the crucifixion and prays, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. I think it's important for us to understand that that's a sincere prayer on the part of Jesus. That Jesus literally and sincerely did not want to happen what happened. Right. That's an, I mean, it's important for Jesus to be who Jesus is. Right. Yeah. And to fully realize, like, no, I don't want this thing. I don't right. want to be tortured. Um, Abraham tries to get uh, Sodom off the hook. Right. He pray, He says to God, like, the angels have come to tell him he's going to have a child. And then they're like, okay, peace out. We're going to go destroy Sodom. And he's like, no, no, no. Maybe you shouldn't do that. And so there begins this bargaining of, like, well, what if you find 50 righteous people? And then in what has been termed, like, the Middle Eastern haggle that just happens, right. Abraham gets it down to 10 people. You can find 10 righteous people there, 10 righteous men. Don't destroy Sodom. They sure. couldn't find him. They but, destroyed Sodom. Right. By the way, yeah. Um, that bargaining also is reflected in Islam, right, with Moses bargaining for the number of prayers that, that have to be due a day. Right. It starts off, I think, actually, I thought it started off at 50. And I don't remember. But in any case, it gets down, he, Moses haggles down to five so that they don't have to play five times a day. Right. And then Paul is another guy who asks to have this, um, what do we say, what is it? It's a... Thorn in my flesh. A thorn, thorn in my, my flesh. Side. Yeah. And when you were growing up in fundamentalism land, you learned that the thorn in his flesh was what? Homosexuality. Oh, did you? Because I thought you would have learned it was the speech impediment, which is what I hear all the time. Oh, no, I, I You I learned there was that. So, I, I'm, so even in the fundagelicals, that's right. what I always read it as. Right. I was like, well, it seems like Paul's probably gay. Yeah. And that's why he gets so upset about gay sex all the time. Yeah. But anyway, I actually, whatever I, it was. We might have had the medical condition of some yeah. sort. Yeah, all right. Well, whatever, whether it was a medical condition, a speech impediment, or if he was gay, mm-hmm. um, whatever it was, God did not take that away from him ever. Yeah. So... Okay, and then I guess the other thing we talked about too is the Israelites that went into exile. There were there were Israelites born and died in exile that, for no fault of their own, right. they lived out of outside of the Promised Land, and that's a big part of the story of Israel, right? So, what does this matter? What is our takeaway for the fact that sometimes you can ask God for a sign and it's okay? Sometimes Jesus says in the Temptations, "You're not supposed to do that," but yet we have these other guys who do exactly that. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God viciously says no, like in a way that you're like, well, why couldn't you? God couldn't figure out another way for Jesus to live out his, his full ministry, like Muhammad and like Buddha. Like right. Jesus had to be executed. So what do we take away from this? So my biggest takeaway is that questioning God does not mean you're unfaithful to God. And I think as Christians, we really, really struggle with that. Um, there has been so much emphasis in the current Christian culture on obedience and you just do it and, it and it's okay that we see any kind of questioning this happening as unfaithful. And there is certainly room in scripture to find that unquestioning obedience as, an, as, a, as a valued trait, right? Right. I mean, you can find it in scripture. Right. But it's not... It's, um, 
it's not unchallenged. Yeah. That right. The scripture also says that these people who challenge God and who ask for a sign are good right. too. And in fact, you know, the people who do question God are often the people who end up called as leaders for God's people or those sorts of things. They are kind of front and center in the narratives. They're not, oh, if you turn to, you know, the 21st chapter in these three verses, you can find this story. They're the major arc right. characters. Right. Moses is, a, is the most important person. Right. In the Old Testament. Right. Abraham is the founder of the faith. Right. Although, weirdly, Abraham exhibits both traits. Mm-hmm. Because a- Abraham has the story of Isaac, um, sacrificing Isaac. Where without questioning God's command, he takes his son up to the top of this mountain and is ready to sacrifice him. Right. And whatever you do with that story, whatever remnant or wherever it came from, Abraham does have both the story of absolute obedience and this like incessant haggling over these strangers he doesn't know in Sodom. Right. And you think it's kind of harsh that um, when news of John the Baptist's birth comes that his dad, Zechariah, just ends up not being able to talk for the duration of the pregnancy <laughs> yeah. because he dared to question. Yes. Like, That's right. It, it goes both ways. Um, Sarah is treated nastily because she laughs when they say she's going to have a baby. And she's like, I'm 90 years old. That doesn't seem likely. Right? I mean, that's another place where right. we're questioning Right, so there are repercussions. This. It doesn't take them out of the relationship with God. It doesn't remove the fruits of the covenant that they were promised. Right. It wasn't like, hey, Zechariah, you questioned. Now you're not getting the son. No, right, right. You're just not going to talk. Right. You're going to have this weird punishment. Right. For some period of time. Yeah. Um, and I think... I think the the last thought on this is, you know, this idea that questioning is a part of relationship, that being angry at God is a part of being in relationship with God, that is true no matter what your understanding of God is. Right. So, you know, I, you know, I've talked a lot about how I'm not a big fan of sort of supernatural theism, that there's this anthropomorphized God who sits on a cloud, and um, and in fact. You know, my understanding of God, I'm challenged to think about what does it mean to be in relationship with God and what does it mean to have a conversation with God. But being angry at God is still a part of whatever that is. And to, as I'm sort of striving to figure out what, what do I mean by my relationship with God, even in this different and not as, I guess, more abstract, although I don't know if I love that either, but, you know, um, this is part of it. And sort of being in communion with that which I cannot understand, that's the quest. And that's, honestly, that's why... I'm a progressive, um, not very superstitious Christian, mm-hmm. and not a secular humanist. You know, God bless the secular humanist. I love them. Go do their thing. <laughs> I'm just not a secular humanist because I seek this relationship, this communion with the unknown, and anger with God as a part of that. And I would point out that also, the deeper any relationship is, the more broad and extreme emotions become. So you do not experience love and anger with the person who is in the checkout counter next right. to you. You experience love and anger with a life partner, with fr- friends over years. Right. And so part of a deepening relationship with God is making space for this range of emotions, not just, well, I follow God. Yeah. So the testing and the questioning is a part of having that sort of genuine, real relationship. Exactly. All right, I think that's a great place to stop. And um, until next time, we'll revisit new topics. But until then, cheers.